And we are live. What's up, guys? Welcome to Fed Reacts. Today, we're going to be covering the Columbine High School Massacre. As you guys know, this is probably one of the most famous, uh, probably the first big school shooting in American history. Um, before we get into it, I got a special guest with me. Not hey so guys, special. She's here up? every week, but you got um, If you're here, you probably watch already the Sound of Freedom stream that we just did. Yes. But today's Thursday, so this is pre-record. And yeah, you guys should... Follow Fat Reaction Instagram. That's Damn. it. She manages it. So check her out over there, guys. Yeah. Uh, hit me up over there as well. So um, Columbine High School Massacre, um, commonly referred to as Columbine, was a school shooting and attempted bombing that occurred on April 20th, 1999 at Columbine High School in Columbine, Colorado, United States. The perpetrators, 12th grade students Eric uh, D Harris and Dylan Klebold, murdered 12 students and one teacher. 10 students were killed in the school library where Harrison Klebold subsequently committed suicide. 21 additional people were injured by gunshots and gunfire was also exchanged with the police. Another three people were injured trying to escape. At the time, it was the deadliest mass shooting at a high school in U.S. history until it was surpassed by the Parkland High School shooting in February 2018. It is also the deadliest mass shooting in the state of Colorado. And guys, I'm older, so um, I'm old enough to remember this. Uh, this happened when I was nine years old as a kid. This hit the news like crazy. Um, school shootings were something that were unheard of back then, guys. So, you know, sadly, in today's day and age, in 2023, they're all too common. But uh, back then, guys, you know, when people had some semblance of um, what, re uh, what reality was, we don't live in this clown world that we live in now, school shootings were a big thing. So um, mass shootings weren't a thing like that back in, a, in the late 90s. So, yeah. This definitely was crazy. Um, Eminem had talked about this. I think Marilyn Manson, they got blamed for this shooting. So, um, yeah. But anyway, we got a documentary to react to here, guys. Uh, the teens behind the Columbine high school killing spree uh, from Absolute Documentaries. Let's go ahead and get right into it, man. And we'll be pausing and giving y'all some commentary throughout. So, let's go. In 1999, students Eric Harris and Dylan Klebold would embark on a massacre. They look crazy. That would make history. We're getting shot all around me. <laughs> and the name of one Colorado high school, synonymous with tragedy. Children were running from the school at breakneck speeds, and I knew that the world had changed. As the clock ticked, the body count rose. They would pop underneath a, a table, they would say something like peekaboo, and they would shoot someone. And with it, the question, why have these two young men waged war on their classmates and teachers? A bullet entered the side of my backpack, spun around and actually shot me in the back. And committed the world's most notorious killing spree. What caused them to have so much hatred, they were willing to walk in and kill as many people as possible. In 1999, the area of Columbine on the outskirts of Denver, Colorado, had been the epitome of ordinary. It's a suburban area. It's pretty quiet, not a lot of crime. It's um, overwhelmingly white, middle class, which is to say a very homogeneous place. I think it's homogeneous, but yeah, that's fine. Hey, in 1999, <laughs> would bring the unremarkable neighborhood worldwide notoriety. 
You know, April 20th of 99 was, it was a typical day. Um, I was eager to get my grades bumped up because I was, uh, I was 15 at the time. So getting a driver's permit was definitely on the horizon. The morning definitely was just a regular day. Starting my shift, I was an emergency response Okay, now one dispatcher from back then. Specialist. I just took uh, regular phone calls to the sheriff's office, as well as the 911 phone calls. Normal day, we had ran a couple, you know. And you know a little bit about why these guys committed the shooting, right? That the media didn't report? Yeah. Um, you want to tell them now, or? Um, I just saw a comment that people, the people are commenting now. Um, if you look on Twitter, there is like a dark side of this Columbine shooting, like you'll see pictures and everything. But there was a person that said that the media didn't put this out, is that these guys, actually I can explain later because I will kind of like spoil. Okay, fair enough, fair enough. We'll, 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 we will, we'll get into it. Yeah. For y'all. Basic calls, uh, medical calls. It was just like any other day. Went off to work. I was leaving that day for a conference in another part of our state. Tom's 15-year-old son made his way to Columbine High School. Daniel was a um, very shy kid. Very shy, very reserved, very sweet, a very lovable kid. He was someone who, even as a teenager, was not ashamed to give his mom uh, a big hug. For fellow students, 16-year-old Craig Scott and his 17-year-old sister Rachel, the morning had not started harmoniously. My sister was in the car. She was uh, honking her horn uh, because I was making us late. And uh, I had to have my hair just perfect. And uh, we got into the car together. And she was kind of getting on, on to me about being late. And we got into an argument. This is the road that Rachel and I were on together to go to school. And Rachel would pull into here to drop me off. She was just asking me not to make us late all the time. And, and so we were kind of back and forth in an argument. And we pulled up to the school. And I got out of the car and I turned and I looked at her and I slammed the car door shut. And I walked into school. I had no idea that'd be the last time that I'd see Rachel alive. Damn, that sucks, man. For your last memory with your sibling to be you guys getting in a fight, that sucks. Yeah. Around 11.19 a.m., Columbine School, West Entrance. Sean Graves and his friend's world was about to change forever. For lunch, there was three of us that day that chose not, not to eat. Uh, Dan Robaugh, Lance Kirkland, and myself. We stepped out the side door like we typically would. We'd usually grab a soda at the vending machines right there, and, and we'd just jet up and take the path off. Um, only that morning, uh, things were a little different. We were looking up at the top of the dirt hill, and we saw two, two guys that were wearing all black, their black trench coats. And with them, they were carrying. Oh, man. Oh, shit. Could oh, you imagine, shit. like, you're in high school and you're like, oh, yeah, it's lunch break. Just got myself a little Coca-Cola, Diet Coke, because they didn't have Coke Zero back then, 99. Next thing you know, you see two dudes with 
trench coats, wearing all black. A couple of yeah, you'll see me with bags. that sound. Carrying black like... duffel bags, like what the hell? What? Yeah, okay. You see me what like the with the sound effect running. Yeah, like you turn into cartoon. Goku at that point. Yeah, that one. We witnessed them loading weapons um, that we just assumed were were toys, and that's when uh, it, it started. And and I know some of y'all are like, wait, you saw them loading up weapons? You didn't do nothing, guys. You got to remember, in 1999, school shootings were unheard of. It's not like today, that day and age, where you know everyone and their mom is you know doing mass shootings. Like back then, this was unprecedented, unheard of, completely with within not within the realm of reality of a student bringing a firearm to a school. You know, this is craziness. So. I could see why he would be skeptical back then because it just wasn't a thing. Obviously, nowadays, right, with the crazy amount of mass shooters that have emerged after this, you know, you would think twice. But back then, hey, you'd be like, oh, what are these guys doing, man? Are they going to the acting class or something? They showered us with, with rounds. And oh, Dan wow. and Lance both went down. They weren't playing around. They started shooting at them immediately. <laughs> One floor above, in the library, Craig and his friend Matt were sitting revising. You know, we, th we thought that we were hearing uh, fireworks. We saw students running away from the school. They were trekking through the, the soccer field. You know, we thought that, you know, it was a senior prank. It's about that time for the, uh, the end of the year for, for some silly prank to happen. It was a tradition. But this was no prank. A nightmare that would shock the world had just begun. Eleven nineteen a.m. on the twentieth of April. We can speed it up a little bit. Fed react style. Nineteen ninety-nine. A deadly killing spree had begun at Columbine High School in Colorado. Outside the school cafeteria, 15... And if you guys are watching this on the playback, just slow the speed down to 0.75 and it'll bring it back to normal. Year old student Sean Graves and his friends Dan and Lance were being fired on by two teenagers dressed in black trench coats. My body was completely uh, behind a, a concrete wall, so I was protected. The only thing on me that was sticking past that was my backpack. A bullet entered the side of my backpack, spun around and actually shot me in the back and shot out my right hip. Oh, and at wow. that moment, um, I lost my legs completely. I was paralyzed from the waist down immediately. What Sean had originally thought was a prank was far from it. I found myself laying halfway in the school and halfway out. And at that moment, I knew that my worst nightmare had come true. Uh, months, possibly years before the shooting actually took place, I had a reoccurring nightmare of, of somebody in my family or even myself being paralyzed. It didn't make any, oh, wow. Talk about bad luck. any sense then, uh, but the second I looked back at my legs, I realized that that dream had come true and I was the one that was going to be paralyzed. Sean lay in the doorway of the cafeteria and for hundreds of students inside, the reality of what was happening was beginning to sink in. Oh, wow. All I remember from that moment was just the fear in their eyes looking at me and I'm sure I had fear looking back and that's when the fire alarm went off and the cafeteria started to evacuate it's crazy that it's 1999 and there's still black and white footage man 
Over the prior year, the two mystery shooters had made several extraordinary videos. Both spoof and serious, that were chillingly similar to the spree to come. The violent, merciless attacks played out in the videos had now become a reality. The two shooters walked down uh, to try and finish off everyone. And I watched um, one of the shooters uh, shoot Lance in the face. Wow. At Jefferson County Sheriff's Department, Detective Kate Batten was just returning from an early lunch. I asked what was going on. They said that there was a shooting at Columbine High School. So at that point, I started driving towards Columbine. And that's when it became surreal because the dispatcher was talking about snipers on the roof. They were talking about bombs exploding. Oh, those are the worst kinds of calls, man. You get crazy stuff like that. And I'm, I'm just astounded that this is information that's being relayed in suburban Littleton. My secretary ran in, the door was shut, and she said there's been a report of shootings or gunfire and bombs exploding. And I'm thinking, what are you talking about? And I came out of my office and I ran down here. And as I looked down the corridor, I saw a gunman coming towards me uh, with the shotgun. When I was staring down and I made contact, it seemed like the size of a cannon. All I kept thinking is what it was gonna feel like to be shot. You know, I thought of my family, was I gonna die quickly? Each time a bullet was fired from the gun, then glass would shatter behind me. They hear bullets exploding in that area. And what really probably saved my life is girls coming out of the gymnasium in this crossing hall. They were coming into the crossfire and I wanted to make sure that they were not hit by the gunman's gunfire. I ran down to this hallway and I was able to get the girls into the gymnasium area. Shout out to him, man. Right, so I don't think they're gonna say this in the documentary, but okay. the plan of these guys was to, um, and I'll give more insight about them later, but the plan of these guys were to put like set up bombs inside the school and outside the school in each of the students' cars and like teachers. So the bombs inside the school will explode at 11 o'clock in the morning and the ones outside will explode at 12. And the, oh, wow. the strategy was that if the, the first bombs to explode, so whenever the emergency cars and like the ambulances and the police cars will be already at 12 o'clock at the school, the other bombs will explode so everyone could get hurt and it will be like a complete chaos. But the bombs didn't explode. It was 11.23 and the bombs didn't explode. So they just entered and started doing Does that like show in the, um, in the diagram you sent me or no? No, I don't okay, think so. it doesn't show on that diagram. Okay. I, it will show you the timelines, okay. but it won't tell you like what I'm telling you. Right All right, now. gotcha. So yeah, the bombs didn't explode at 12, 11, 20, 23, which is when the guys just decided to go inside and just start the killing spree. Wow. That's what happened. Crazy. Yeah. Crazy, crazy, man. The, 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 and they initiated plan. the bombs after, of course. My daughter saying he's chasing us with a gun, and then he hung up the phone, and you could hear the screaming okay. in the hallway. Yeah. Six weeks earlier, March the 16th, 1999, in the mountains south of Columbine. The two shooters recorded another video. This time, the weapons were real. Oh, that's a slug. Imagine that someone's brain. Both were students at Columbine High School, just weeks away from graduating. Oh. Entry exit. 17-year-old <laughs> Dylan Klebold 
and 18-year-old Eric Harris. <laughs> no, no, no. Harris was a young man that was in advanced classes. Um, you know, he had dreams of going to the military. He was going to be applied or to enlist in the Marines. Klebalt was a kid who a few weeks prior had visited one of the state universities in Arizona. So his plan was to go to college. Klebalt was at prom three nights prior. Wow. Now both Harris and Klebold seemed intent on the destruction of the school and everyone in it. By 11.27 a.m., the two shooters were in an area near the library where Craig Scott and numerous fellow students were working. We're hearing the, uh, the, the firecrackers. We're thinking that it's a prank. We're laughing. We're joking about it. Uh, and then that's when a uh, teacher ran into the room. Uh, she ran over to the phone. She got on the phone to call the police. Jefferson County 911. The phone rings, and um, you know, I had a caller on the other end of the line who stated that something was happening at Columbine High School. There's a student here with a gun. He had shot out a window. There was children in the library, and she wanted to obviously, you know, protect them and take care of them. She saw the shots happen. She knew this was serious. She knew this was real. Okay. We've got help on the way, ma'am. Okay. Okay. Oh, God. I got underneath the table with my buddy, Matt. Um, and then my friend, Isaiah, he came and he sat next to me. Still lying paralyzed in the cafeteria doorway, 15-year-old Sean could do nothing but listen. Man, why is it I got to have the stereotypical look, goddammit? Do I got to be the one to say, well, <laughs> I got to look exactly how he sounds. I can hear explosions going off upstairs, and I can hear people screaming, and I can hear gunshots just echoing throughout the school, and there's just chaos everywhere. I've got every student in this library on the floor. You better stay on the floor. We have paramedics, we have fire, and we have police on route. We were just setting down to lunch, and the tones went off for a reported possible drive-by shooting near Columbine High School. My partner and I jumped into the medic unit and started heading towards Columbine. As we pulled up, several students running by and, and one young gal had a bullet hole in her, I believe, right calf. We treated her. After several minutes shooting and throwing homemade bombs in the corridor outside, Harrison Klebold now approached the library entrance where the teacher was under the desk on the line to 911 dispatch. I remember trying to get her to close the doors and lock them to keep everyone in. Is there any way you can block the door so no one can get in? I do, I do not. Right outside that door. I'm afraid to go to the desk. Okay. It was trying to keep her calm so that I could, you know, figure out what was going on. Oh, rip off your goddamn head! Dylan was a family friend of our kids for a long time. He grew up here, uh, sort of. Dylan was here a lot. Um, the kids met each other in the first grade and became best friends. Hey, what's going on, dude? This is Dylan. There were never fights. A lot of kids you have to send home after a while because, you know, it gets with boys. It was great. The three of them got along great. He was a nice, gentle young man. Dylan Klebold was born in Colorado and at the time of the shooting was living in his parents' designer home in a desirable natural area just outside the town. Dylan's parents, they were intellectuals and artists at heart. They had met at Ohio State University uh, in the art uh, program. They didn't believe in spanking. Um, they didn't believe in guns. They didn't believe in war. They were pacifists. Oh, man. That's an L right there. You know what time it is with that one, man. Sometimes you need to slap the hell out of your kids, man, to keep them from being losers. And, uh, you know, these guys, obviously, even though they never had violence, well, at least that kid, 
never even though he never had violence in his childhood he ended up enacting violence on others man eric harris's background was also far from underprivileged eric's father was ex-military he was a, a decorated uh air force test pilot it required them to bounce around a bit from city to city as his father would get transferred but lived in normal middle-class neighborhoods not living in the inner city and subject to gangs or drugs or violence it did affect Eric, however, always having to move to another school, make new friends again. That was tough for him. Eric Harris and Dylan Klebold were both deeply into computers and both complained they were victims of bullying by sporty students known as jocks. After settling in the Columbine area, Harris became friends with Klebold and as such also hung out with Dylan's friend, Brooks Brown but it would not always be a smooth relationship. He had thrown a snowball at Brooks' car and cracked the windshield. And a kid came up and said, here's Eric's backpack. I took it while he was throwing the snowballs. So I'm thinking, well, what's this? I'm going to take the backpack back. So we drove down in the car, and I rolled down the window, and I said to Eric, um, I've got your backpack. Meet me at your mom's house. And we rolled back up the window. Well, he started banging on the window crazy, saying, give me my backpack. He was frantic. That was the first time I saw that anger. And it was very unusual. It was it was quick and it was fast and it was unrelenting. I will freaking kill you. I'm going to pull out a goddamn shotgun. The 20th of April, 1999, 11.29 a.m. Columbine High School, Western Side. Eric Harris and Dylan Klebold entered the library where four staff members and 52 students were hiding. As soon as they came in, they were shooting off their guns. They began to... Uh, yell at students they were making some mocking comments nobody and you guys can hear the sh the gunshots in the um in the 911 call to that dispatcher when the librarian called whatever their race sex or social status would be safe from the killing spree first person that they killed was Kyle Velasquez who didn't know to hide he had a disability and he liked simple things his family said he liked uh, panda bears he liked coloring and oh my god they killed the disabled guy first? That's so sad. Bro. Sick. They became the bully. What would happen next in that library would horrify the world. Damn. Columbine High School students, Eric Harris and Dylan Klebold, had made a number of home videos themed around violence. On April the 20th, just weeks before they were both due to graduate, fantasy became reality. At 11.29 a.m., they entered the library. Like his fellow students, 16-year-old Craig Scott was hiding under a table with his friends Matt and Isaiah. A lot of students were, um, were, being, were being quiet. Some girls were crying, and some girls were begging for their life. 911 dispatcher Rene Napoli was listening in to a phone line left open at the library desk. I could hear... Um, them speaking, as well as the children in the library. And I, there was the, the definite sound of gunshots. They actually fired out the windows at the police officers, and two of those police officers, or deputy sheriffs, um, fired back. They then walked over, and they started systematically shooting the kids. They treated it like it was a game, uh, like they were having fun. At one point, they would pop underneath a, a table. They would say something like peekaboo, and they would shoot someone. Wow. So they treated it like a game. Like, they're literally running around. That was easy. You know? And this is the thing. A lot of times, 
what I've noticed with serial killers and um, mass shooters, all this stuff, if you guys have been watching the show, these guys, a lot of the times, guys, they need to, um, what they end up doing is they dehumanize the victim. And they do this by playing games, by looking them at looking at them as animals, you know, people like Ted Bundy, guys like Jeffrey Dahmer, etc. They would do their best to not develop a relationship with the victim. Um, John Wayne Gacy, all these guys so that they can more effectively kill the individual, a.k.a. their prey, because they will look at them as, as just an animal. They wouldn't look at them from a, from a human standpoint. And a big part of these guys playing, oh, yeah, peekaboo, and, you know, just shooting people indiscriminately, et cetera, is they're trying to remove that human factor so it'll be easier for them to kill. No, and also it's something that they have seen, haven't mentioned here. They were fans, like lovers of the video game Doom. Ah, okay. So, yeah, both of them. So, I don't know if they mentioned this earlier. Real quick, like, for some of you guys that are wondering, Doom is a uh, old first-person shooter from the, the 90s uh, where you run around and you kill monsters. Yeah. Um, very violent and gory game, especially for back then standards. Go ahead. So, yeah, they opened, um, in 1996, they opened a blog in this website called American Online. Back then, I don't even I don't know. Okay. So they opened a vlog and it was supposed to be like extra levels developed by them for the video game Doom. So it was like a theme block, like a Doom theme block that they made, right? But later on, they just turned that block to be a super hateful um, of society block. So they started putting all these videos that you see here of like them shooting and like joking around and like messing with guns and stuff they started uploading those videos and also they were like making videos hating on people and one of those people was this guy brooks that is like was friends with one of them so they be they, they were friends with him and then it wasn't like a good relationship so they started making videos hating on him and later on this guy found um the blog and he was the one who told the authorities and i'll let i'll let you know because i want to know what the documentary what the um, documentary says? says okay yes all right i think that they were enjoying themselves through a good portion of the shooting there was a lot of hooting and hollering and and uh um, false bravado between the two of them treating it like a game guys that's how they're able to dehumanize the victims three would be shot dead and four injured before harris and klebold worked their way towards Craig Scott. They came over to where I was um, and they saw Isaiah. And Isaiah was one of the very few African-American students in our school. And I believe Dylan called Eric over and using a racial slur, we have an N-word over here. At one point he was kind of backing up underneath the table. And then they were, at one point he was being pu pulled out. And this is something that came up in my memory later. I remember Isaiah said, I wanna see my mom. They shot Isaiah, so and sad. then they turned their gun towards Matt, and they shot Matt. I had decided to uh, pretend to be dead and not draw any attention to myself. And so Good move right there. That is definitely an yeah. IQ yeah. move. It's over 9,000! So I, um, I laid there, and uh, I could hear their last breaths being taken. Five more students would lose their lives, leaving 10 dead and 12 injured in the deadly library spree. Before Harris and Klebold left the room at 11.36 a.m. and began wreaking further havoc around the school. Can I share something? emergency? Yes, we do. Can you guys send lots and lots of paramedics? 
SWAT sniper Sean Duggan was one of several law enforcement officers with children at the school. I got a page and it said, uh, all SWAT respond to a critical incident. So I have all my gear and I'm trying to call my daughter and uh, she's not answering her page and she was a senior in the school that day. So I'm a little frantic that uh, she's not responding. Hundreds of emergency personnel were flocking to the school. There was ambulances and fire trucks and police cars and, and sheriff's cars parked everywhere and children were running from the school at breakneck speeds as fast as they could. I was running for my life. And when I got behind the police car, I couldn't help but be thinking about Matt and Isaiah because they, they were, there, was still, there was still a little bit of breathing. And I felt, I felt a little like a coward. I was under a table and people were getting shot all around me. <laughs> it was overwhelming to see the emotion on these kids' faces, and I knew that the world had changed. And there's so many people. Oh my God. Everybody was calling 911 from inside the school, from outside the school. So the information that we were getting was conflicting. As a sniper, um, you ask, what your rules of engagement are. Is this a deadly force situation? And I was told if any, any high school age kids come out in black trench coats with weapons, they were to be shot. Amongst the confusion, the name of one suspect began to trickle out. It would be revealed that Eric Harris's behavior had already been seriously worrying some people. Along the way, Eric did let out a different lot of signs. He had on his, uh, his website talking about how we wanted to kill all yeah, sorts of people, see? hundreds of people, we wanted to kill everybody in Denver. Um, and in particular, Brooks Brown, his former friend. Disputes like the incident with the broken windshield had put Brown on Harris's hit list. Brooks was supposed to pick Eric up for school, and Brooks was terrible with being on time, and Brooks slept in and didn't pick him up, and that was it. That was it. And I said to Brooks, can you smooth it over? And Brooks said, it doesn't work that way with Eric. And so that was the indication Eric doesn't forgive. He was an injustice collector. Dylan, who was still friends with and had been lifelong friends with uh, Brooks, warned Brooks uh, to go to the website and see what was going on. He was posting threats about uh, wanting to kill Brooks. And that's the thing we took mm -hmm. to the police. Yep. And from when he started yep. making the death threats, he wasn't allowed in our house anymore. We knew that Eric was dangerous. We did not know Dylan. When we turned him into the police, Eric was into pipe bombs, and he was talking about it on his website. There was actually a search warrant drawn up, um, but then was never taken before a judge to search Eric's house. Um, that was never followed up on because there was another series of murders in the town where the person investigating sort of went off that case for a while and never picked it up again. Dex. But Harrison Klebold's plan involved something much worse than homemade pipe bomb grenades. As Sean Graves, still paralyzed and bleeding half inside the cafeteria door, was about to experience. I started hearing the gunshots getting closer, and that's when I realized that they were coming down the stairs in the cafeteria. They just kept getting closer. So he's, as you, if you guys remember, he got shot pretty much in, in the lower back slash glute. So he's pretty much paralyzed at this point, man. Uh, so he's helpless. Closer and closer and closer. And I started hearing explosions. But every time there was a shot, and then one of those larger booms went off, I flinched. Harris and Klebold's killing spree had not just been planned as a shooting. Before they had opened fire that morning, they had placed two large explosive devices in the canteen. They had been timed to explode at 11.17 a.m. 
and the two students had planned to wait outside to pick off any survivors fleeing the scene. Yeah. Eric Harris had even gone so far as to study how many people were in the cafeteria at any given time during the lunch hour. So he set those bombs to go off when he would have the mass casualty. Approximately 450 is what he was estimating, and we had 455 kids down there. The bomb's timers had not worked, which is why Harris and Klebold had begun their killing spree with their guns. However, they'd not given up on their dream of blowing up the school. Well, I didn't know it at the time. There was actually a propane canister bomb, essentially, that was no more than five feet from where I was laying. And they were shooting at it, trying to get the bomb to go off. Their new attempts to detonate the bombs only succeeded in a relatively small partial explosion and fire. But they were a sign of a highly planned, premeditated suicide mission. These two students did not just snap. In this case, it was clear they began talking about doing something like this just about... Uh, oh, hold on. Is this guy an FBI profiler? Okay, psychologist and FBI investigator. Okay, yeah. So uh, for, um, he's a psychiatrist and uh, an FBI agent. And talking about doing something like this just about uh, a little over a year before Eric Harris's first entry in his journal in his notebook is April 10th, 1998. The first words I read, I think kind of set the tone and was, I, I hate the effing world. You know, he's not, oh man. Yeah. I'm talking about hating jocks. He's not talking about, um, you know, any kind of particular group later, he makes fun of just about everybody. People who drive too slow, the fast lane, people who say across instead of across or, you know, mispronounce words, you know, any trivial thing, you know, there's, there's nothing too trivial for Eric to have contempt for you. Dylan also had a lot of writing. We, uh, my favorite book, We the Gods Will Have So Much. Oh man, this guy's handwriting is terrible. Mm -hmm. Blowing up. Okay. Killing cops. I see that underlined. My wrath for January's will wow. be godlike. <laughs> yeah, this is, this is a nightmare. Things. Uh, and notes that he left, uh, his centered around his emotions, his feelings. Uh, he clearly stated he was depressed. He clearly stated that uh, his, his life was a mess. Dylan's journal went on for two years, and the very first page, he talks about killing himself. He had a miserable perception of himself, and often at complete odds with reality. He was, in my mind, a classic adolescent depressive, or going through an adolescent depressive episode. When confronted with some of his inappropriate behavior, he would get extremely angry. Whereas when people confronted Eric with some of his earlier misbehaviors, he would uh, respond in a classic psychopathic way. He would tell you what you wanted to hear, promise never to do it again, and would be looking you in the mm -hmm. eyes and deliberately telling you what he thought you wanted to hear. Harris had a personality disorder uh, that made him uh, lacking in empathy for the suffering of victims, uh, made him very manipulative and crafty. You know, he had an uncanny ability uh, to present himself any way he wanted. So he looked like a good guy to many people. But actually, he didn't have a conscience or what Sigmund Freud called a superego. Well, this guy looks like angsty. Brooks Brown's mother yeah. experienced Eric's excuses when his father sent him around to apologize for damaging her son's windscreen. He looked at me and he said, Mrs. Brown, I'm sorry, I didn't mean any harm. And I said, look, Eric, you can pull the wool over everyone's eyes, but you're not going to do it over mine. I, you come by this house, you threaten my kid, you do damage, I'm going to call the police. So you stay away from our house and stay away from me. And he said, are you calling me a liar? And I said, yes, I am. <laughs> and don't come around the house again. And he got bright red. I mean, he was so angry at me and he left the house. 
Together, Eric Harris and Dylan Klebold had become a deadly partnership. And the two killers were now wreaking havoc, not only inside the school, but outside too. Wow, look at his shoes. As parents feared for the fate of their children. Yeah, that was probably from the bombs going off, yeah. melting the chairs. About That's the time wild. I got to my sniper position, my phone rang and it was my daughter. And I said, are you okay? She said, yeah, I'm home. And I said, okay, uh, I have to go. I love you. And uh, we hung up. Many parents, including Daniel Mauser's father, learned of the unfolding events through the media. There in, on the television was news coverage. It looked terrible. But I said to myself, well, if there's something going wrong at the school, certainly my son wouldn't be involved. He was not somebody who'd be in trouble or being targeted by somebody. When I got home, my wife had a very concerned look on her face. Why wasn't he calling us? So I agreed to go to another school where a number of the students were being taken in school buses after they escaped. And as I was driving, I was listening to the news coverage. And at one point, I heard them mention that they were taking some students to the hospital. And one of the ones they mentioned was a 15-year-old boy who was shot. So, of course, the first thing I thought was, 15 years old, that's how old Daniel is. What if that's Daniel? Could that be my son? At the nearby elementary school, many parents would be reunited with their traumatized kids. I saw parents walking out with children. And I just said to myself, I want to be one of them. I want to get this over with. I want to be one of those people. By 12.02 p.m., Columbine High School, cafeteria exit. Student Sean Graves, bleeding profusely, had passed out. Meanwhile, two medic units approached his location. I drove around the south side as we're pulling into the parking lot through all the cars, see several students hiding behind cars, several deputies with their weapons strained on the building. I couldn't figure out what woke me up, but when I did snap back to it, there was some commotion behind me, and as I overlooked my shoulder, the, there was an ambulance sitting right behind me. I saw two paramedics. One jumped out of the driver's seat and the other from the back of the ambulance, and they grabbed me, picked me up by my shirt and my belt, and they were dragging me out. And I remember just looking down to see my arms and my legs dangling. And that's when the shooters realized that somebody was down there helping us. And I could see the concrete, just poofs of white dust. They were, they were opening fire on us. They were trying to kill us again. Holed up amongst the dead and injured in the library, Eric Harris and Dylan Klebold now had their weapons trained on the paramedics and casualties below. By 12.02 p.m. on the 20th of April 1999, Eric Harris and Dylan Klebold had been running amok in Columbine High School for more than 40 minutes, leaving a trail okay, of dead think... and injured in their wake. Go ahead. Okay, we're like, yeah, hallway past the commentary. Okay, so remember when I explained to you that they had their Doom website and blah, 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 and then um, this guy discovered the mm -hmm. Brooks... Brown, I think his name was the, the guy that Eric was friends with, but now he's not a friend anymore. So somebody gave him the tip to check out the website. When he checked out the website, he found out the death threats uh, about him and all that stuff. So he told his parents, his parents told the police, and the police detained the Dylan and Eric, and they took him, to, they took them to, to, not to jail, but they made them do this thing that they will make like minors do late like labor work like community oh, okay. service yeah so they did that for like a while 
but then they let they let them out uh, they also had to do uh, psychological attention like they also went to the psychologists and stuff mm-hmm. but they let them out because they were like you know they they did well behave they had good behavior and stuff and they let them out so they deleted the the blog and they started uploading again the doom game stuff but in the blog they had instructions to make homemade bombs and stuff so right after they were let they they were let out they planned this plot but they recorded every like they wrote everything in their journals like everything was written down they were that's why myron asked me at the beginning because this is what the media want will like let out people believe like there's there is some evidence and people will say that these guys were white supremacists mm-hmm. and they um they were bullied because they were gay so they had something going on between them so that's why they were like highly bullied um people will also believe that they were in... so that's why they were bullied is because they were they were yeah because they were gay this... and because they, uh they're white supremacists yeah there is also oh, okay. a guy that no, they were bullied because they were gay, but they were also okay. white supremacists. They were like, they were in love with Hitler. Oh, okay, all right. We in love, like these guys were like super fans of Hitler, and um, they even planned to do. This is 1999. Yeah. This is, you want? I'm gonna tell you something that's gonna blow your mind. Yeah. They even planned to blow the twin towers. What? Yep. Wow. Well, there was the World Trade Center bombing in uh, 93. So it, the plot had been out there. But, yeah, that is crazy that they had yeah. had that idea. Yeah, they had the idea to blow the Twin Towers. They, so they, 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 terrorists too. They, they planned some terrorist attacks and they had it, They had everything written down in the journals. So um, there is a guy that they kill in here in the school mm-hmm. that he, he was like the biggest bully of one of them. I think it's Eric. And he will call him your favorite insult that you always call people. Rhymes with dag? Rhymes with egg? Yeah. Yeah, okay. Yeah, yeah, My favorite term, Ot, guys. You know, yeah. Yeah, they would call, he would call him that. All right, and then what? Yeah, and um, right when he was about to kill him, he was like, oh, um, I'm not such a bit anymore, am I? Now you're the boop, 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 and shoot him in the head. Oh, wow. Really? Yeah. So who's the dag now? And then he just shoots him in the head. Yep. Oh, wow. God yep. damn. Ouch. So, yeah, that happened. Okay. Uh, all right. Shout out to Angie with the uh, insight from behind the scenes. Yeah. Doing a little bit more extra research for y'all. Like the video for Angie's English. <laughs> all right. Now we'll go to her uh, Hooked on Phonics they, fund. They plan to go to Mexico after these. Um, oh, really? Thing. They thought they were actually going to make it out alive? Yeah, but then when they saw the people, uh, the police and all, everyone, they just shoot they themselves. They gave up, yeah. Yep, okay. they killed them. Then as fire department paramedics moved in to assist casualties, like Sean Graves and his friends, Harris and Klebold began firing on the kids and rescuers. I found Medic 13's group were struggling to get Sean Graves loaded up into the medic unit. So I came up in the middle of him and one had the head, the other had the feet, and we stepped into the ambulance. They threw me in first. Saw another young man laying by the fence and then he turned his head and made eye contact with me and said, help me. I scooped up and dumped the young man literally into the back of the ambulance so that they could get out of the gunfire. I just remember hearing that the sounds of bullets hitting the top of the ambulance, just the metal tinging. And that's, uh, I'll take that away from all of that as being a sound that I'll never forget. It would be among the last acts of Harrison Klebold's killing spree. 
they were shooting at the cops. They were taking pot shots and police were firing back. I think they realized the only escape was going to be into the long arm of the law and yep. a prosecution and jail and prison. And I think there was a thought of let's end this the way we want it to end. Let's control our own destiny. At around 12.08 p.m., Eric Harris and Dylan Tebold took their own lives. But for the children of Columbine High School and their parents, the nightmare was far from over. Kids would leave Columbine and they would be placed on a bus and reunified with their parents. And as the night went on, uh, buses were not arriving and there were still parents left. After nothing happening for a while, they informed us that there was one last school bus that was coming. One last school bus with students. But for some desperate parents, clinging on to the hope that their children would return, there was to be no happy ending. Later on, the authorities confirmed to us that they made a terrible mistake. There was no last school bus. At the, the end of the day, we had 13 innocent people killed, which were 12 students and, and one teacher. In addition, Harrison Claybowl also dead uh, by apparent suicide in the library. So we knew we had 15 fatalities, most of the fatalities in the library. For Craig Scott, who had suffered the trauma of having his friends murdered beside him in the library, there was worse to come when he learned of the fate of his sister. Rachel was the first one that was killed and she had been killed right outside the school library. And I realized that when I ran out of the school, I had ran right by Rachel. And now much you could say there, man. Mm -hmm. That just that just really sucks. You yeah. see the look in his face tells you everything you need to know. Mm -hmm. Not much to say. My son was one of the, the last that was shot. He was next to last who was shot. And from the reports that we have, Eric Harris looked at Daniel and insulted him. I believe it was he called him four eyes because he wore glasses. What the? And he Bruh. fired. Yeah, these guys. These dudes, man. What? Like, yo. Lamest. What the fuck? Like, weren't you guys getting bullied? Like, what the hell y'all like? Bumbukat. Bro. The shot that went into Daniel's hand. Daniel fought back. He took the chair that was there and he pushed it uh, towards Eric Harris. And for that, he paid with his life. Damn. Eric Harris fired one more time and shot him in the face. Killed him. These guys, um, so what caused the, the blonde guy's uh, sister, uh -huh. she was Christian and she got killed with her um, best friend, Casey. Mm -hmm. And they were like next to each other. They were having lunch at the cafeteria. I think it was. Mm -hmm. Oh no, they were like right out the library, right? They said. Um, I think they were praying, and this guy came up to them. One of them. Mm -hmm. I think it was. Wait. Oh yeah, it was. Um, uh, Harris, Eric Harris. Okay. He he came up to them and he was like, uh, he asked Casey, the other the other girl, do you believe in God? And she didn't answer. And then he shot her in the head. Right wow. in the forehead, like in the middle. Wow. Yep. Wow. 
because you didn't answer. It's too stupid. These guys are burning in hell for that one, man. I'll tell you yep. that, man. Satan has them now. <laughs> yep. Students, both just weeks away from graduating, to have such disdain for human life. These two kids did not come out of their mother's womb hating. What happened from the time they were born to the time that they carried out this horrific act? One thing that is erroneous is to talk about why they did this, implying that it was for the same reasons. They were two basically different guys. In my colloquialisms, I would say Eric Harris was filled with anger, with rage. He wanted to hurt other people and didn't care if he died. Dylan, on the other hand, I believe was hurting inside and yeah, at various times wanted to die because he felt so bad he just saw no reason to keep on living. Mm -hmm. People who study these call them dyads, and you know, there's a long history of Bonnie and Clyde, Leopold and Loeb. And very often, most often, you have a stronger person than a weaker person. In this case, um, Dylan had incredibly low self-esteem, needed somebody mm -hmm. to validate him, make him feel good about himself. Some hey, consider bullying at the school to be the primary factor. Once you hate the bullies and no one does anything to defend you, you hate the people in the class that don't say anything. You hate the teacher that doesn't say anything. You hate the counselors that allow it to happen. They, in, in essence, end up hating the school, not just the bullies. They hate the school, and they want to kill the school. I think that they didn't see that they had a lot going for them. They became isolated. And that isolation and then exposure to uh, a lot of negative influences in their life that they chose to focus on, I think really took them towards a darker and darker place. Harris was the dominant person who inspired the Columbine Massacre. Mm -hmm. And I think Klebo went along to get along. It was that chemistry that created this insane circumstance where they were able to kill lots of people uh, with moral impunity. For the Columbine teachers, students, and parents, life would never be the same again. I was paralyzed from the waist down. Damn. I spent um, months in the hospital. They didn't foresee me ever walking again. And I, I was angry. I was very angry about that. But at the same time, I'm, I'm extremely stubborn. So I didn't let that be the end of it. I made a goal for myself to walk across the stage at graduation. I wanted to be able to graduate knowing that I didn't let those two control my life. I didn't let them ruin my life. Nice. He's and walking I've now. I've been walking ever since. For 911 dispatcher, Rene Napoli, who listened as 10 children were murdered in the library. The enormity of what she'd heard soon hit home. My first day off, um, I went to pick up my children from high school and I had a, uh, had a really hard time picking up my own children from high school. So much so that my son had to drive home. And that's when it really hit me, is that I'm, I'm able to pick up my children from high school and somebody else is not able to do that. Yeah. Yeah. The words that we have here uh, were written by my wife. She did a great job of summing up Daniel's life and what this means to us to have, to have this here, to honor him. Wow. Damn. It's like they did it for Daniel. Can you and those it? are the 10 victims right there. Okay, yeah. so this guy right here. One teacher. Here. Students. This guy right here. Uh, who? Uh, right here. Okay. This one is John, the one that. Robert, uh, John Tromlin. Okay, Tomlin. So yeah. what happened to him was that um, um, he used to call maggot uh to this other guy. Right? Oh, okay. The, right? the, the the word that rhymes with maggot. All yeah, right. Yeah. So witnesses said that when 
Trollman, this guy tried to he tried to run away. Okay. So he tried to run away, but this guy catch him. Harris, Eric Harris, he catch him and he kicked him. So uh -huh. he he pushed him to the floor and he was like, yep. "Um, you used to call me maggot. Who's the maggot now?" And then and then just shot him. Yep. Wow. That's what happened. Damn. And then, yeah, these are all the victims, guys. Rest in peace to all these victims um, from this terrible um, shooting. Uh, I'll show you guys real quick. We uh, And you got a timeline right here that kind of describes it. So how that rampage unfolded. Um, as many as 25 students and teachers were killed um, Tuesday when armed students stormed the Jefferson County School. I, I think only 10. I, I think 10 were killed. But this is, uh, yeah, 1120. Is this it, Angie? Is this uh... Yeah. Someone at the Columbine High School, uh, hold on. You gotta zoom in a little bit. So, 11.25, someone at Columbine High School calls 911 to report that shots have been fired at the school. 11.30 a.m., uh, first Jefferson County Sheriff's deputies arrive on scene. They hear gunshots and ex explosions and call other agencies for help. I think they mean 25 students and teachers were killed or injured. Yeah. Suspects walk into cafeteria and ask all jocks to stand up saying they'll be killed. God damn. Oh, my God. Call goes out for additional ammunition for officers in case of shootout. 12.30. Groups of students and teachers hiding in offices and other areas of the school begin calling family members, police, and media agencies from their cell phones. Um, suspects reported still inside school and finding fighting, firing more shots. Authorities report pipe bombs found in the area. Officers find bodies in the library. The dead include two suspects whose bodies are booby-trapped with explosive devices. And we know that they had killed themselves right around 12, but people hadn't, didn't know that. Mm. Um, so... Yeah, they went into the library and they killed themselves. Yeah, so or the cafeteria. Um, so yeah, man, really, really crazy stuff. This was the, you know, biggest school shooting for damn near twenty years, because twenty eighteen yeah. was the next biggest 24, one. Twenty four, I think. Um, because the next biggest one was in twenty eighteen at the uh, right here in Parkland, actually. Um, but oh, Columbine, and, and Columbine is definitely like the the main one that started everything. We can do Parkland. Yeah, we'll do Parkland. We'll do um, Sandy Hook as well. For y'all, Sandy Hook was another big one uh, that occurred in 2013. But uh, yeah, yeah, man, that guys was a, that that was a short, and sweet one for y'all. Uh, and you got anything for the people? Before we close this thing out. Well, actually, uh, the guy Brooke Brown that used to have the the beef with this Eric, um, they actually uh, like pardoned his life. Like Eric saw him right when he was about to enter the school with this other guy to shoot everyone, and he was like, "Yeah, you you're cool now. Like you're my friend. Get out." Uh, there was they, a, they let him wh out. who did he who did he tell that to brooke brown uh the brooke guy brown yeah because this guy told his parents about the block and that's why they got into wait which guy told this this guy brooke brown they used to be friends with eric oh, okay 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 remember brooke brown. that he they, okay. he broke the the windshield these yes. parents like god yes yes so, yes so they actually saw him when they were coming in yeah and oh, he, okay. be, they became friends after they were let out of the community service and stuff okay they became friends so oh. Eric and him, so he pardoning his life. Like he was like, because we're friends now, you you're good to go. Leave because we're gonna kill everyone. Wow. And then let him go. That's wild, yep. man. Whoo, man. Well, I guess that's a lesson to be nice to everybody, right? Uh, that's why you shouldn't bully people. I don't bully anybody. <laughs> no, I'm just kidding. <laughs> Someone's gonna come after me now. Mario, you said I was fat. I found you in Miami. Yeah. You know what I'm saying? You well, he don't know. I'm gonna shoot back. <laughs> um anyway guys hope you guys enjoyed that episode of fed it man um fed uh, reacts fed reacts i said fed it man fed reacts sorry we've been off uh the air for two weeks so i forgot 
Um, follow me on Instagram, guys, on Federax. Angie manages it. Requ- request your cases there. Um, just don't swear at her because she's going to get mad. Yeah. And then complain about it to me. So No, yeah. that's not true. <laughs> also, don't send me, like, naked pictures of girls. You've been doing that, too, and that's not nice. They send you nudes Mar- of girls? Marin's not seeing them. Like, send it to Marin. Send it to his own Instagram. Why oh, they send you nudes of chicks? Yeah. Why? I don't know, man. Like, guys, I don't, I don't watch um corn if you know what I'm saying. So, uh, just send it to him. Like, don't send it to me. Don't send it to me, man. Don't send it to me, man. Anyway, guys, don't forget to like the video, subscribe on your way out if you haven't already. We'll catch you guys in the next episode of Fed Reacts. Peace. Special agent with Homeland Security Investigations, okay, guys? HSI. This is what Fed Reacts covers. Defendant Jeffrey Williams, an associate of YSL, did commit the felony. So here's what 